Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Who was the 2018 Fantasy MVP? What do we make of the coaching carousel and teams with players to target in playoff leagues? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our good friends at the FFPC. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. So, Matt, in this episode, we are going to review some things from 2018. But before we look backward, I'd like to wish all of our listeners a happy new year. We're looking forward to helping them get ready for next season. And as a reminder, now is a perfect time to make use of that 30% off listener discount to a Rotoviz subscription, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. So, Matt, happy new year. Uh, any new year's resolutions for you? Uh, yeah, thank you. Happy New Year. Um, it's New Year's is actually my or New Year's Eve is my anniversary. So oh, wow. uh, it's always it's always a, a good celebration. Um, resolutions. Yeah, I don't know. Probably the typical resolution of, you know, lose weight. That's always like a that's a standard one at the beginning of the year. Right. Uh, you know, because I just it's like the holiday season. Like, I mean, first of all, I'm just born to eat. Um, like more than the typical human, you know, I just, I love food. Uh, so the holiday season always kind of takes it to me. So, uh, yeah, but let me see. I, 
yeah, I have some thoughts. Like, I actually might try to learn R or some sort of language like that this year. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see if I can actually carve out the time to make that happen. But uh, I would like to do that. Yeah, actually, that's something that I, I started working on um, towards the middle of the season. Uh, and I've picked up some of it, but I'm faced with the challenge of I can do so many things in Excel at this point that, you know, it's kind of like finding the time to transition fully to R, which I'd like to do at some point is going to be hard. But I, I got to be honest, like, I think that um, you can definitely get going on it pretty quickly and it's pretty addicting. So I would I would recommend that, like, you, you take some time and actually later I can I can share with you some of the resources that uh, I've started to look at that helped me and then ones that I would avoid. Um Cause actually it's like for anybody out there that's listening, I have actually found that there's so many good free resources that are actually better than some of the ones that I paid for on like Udemy and stuff to start to learn it. So hmm. anyway, that would be some of my advice there. Of course, we also have other people at Rotoviz too. They're probably more qualified than I to speak on that. Anyway, though, Matt, a lot of things on the coaching front. And actually, since I drew up the outline, uh, there's a lot more news breaking. So obviously the Jets finally uh, have cut ties uh, with Todd Bowles. Um, apparently, they're looking to bring in Mike McCarthy to interview, and they also are looking for a meeting with Jim Caldwell. Um, I think you probably like the firing in terms of looking for a new coach. Uh, do you have any preferences if you're a Jets fan? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I guess probably not McCarthy uh, and probably not Caldwell. So it's weird. Like, I think... Um, like each year, we have about twenty five percent of the the coaching staff uh, across the league gets fired. Um, it's just a really inefficient system that we have, and they don't really do a good job. They being the NFL uh, doesn't really do a yep. good job of, uh, I think, looking for new talent. So like guys get fired, uh, they sit out a year, and then they typically get hired again, either as a coach or as a coordinator. Uh, and then maybe they get, you know, if a guy's hired as a coordinator, uh, later down the road, he gets another chance as a head coach, but it's just basically like the same pool of talent, uh, that gets rolled over repeatedly. Um, so it's almost kind of like, what is, what is the point? Like if you're not going to fire someone and then look outside of your typical pool of candidates to hire someone, then you're not really making a change. So, like, I think it's always good to fire, like, to get rid of the guys that they have, but I never think that they really do much of an upgrade. So then it's like, well, what did you really accomplish by firing someone? If you're going to hire someone who is kind of just like another version of that person, you probably should have just kept the original person. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, that that teams make is that they look for somebody with experience and experience becomes like an important uh, input into the decision-making process. But I would almost argue that you want coaches with less direct experience. So maybe you want a guy that has some experience coaching in college that you can bring in to bring a new look on stuff. But lots of times, if you're just looking for experience, you're getting candidates that have experience in not being good coaches. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, um, for me, it's not necessarily whether they, they do or they, they don't have experience, but it's um, are they willing to do something different? Yeah. Even if it's like different than what everyone else is doing, it may be different than what they did before. Um, you know, so like I think uh, like Pete Carroll uh, with the Seahawks, like I think he was a pretty different coach 
than what he was years before with the Patriots. And some of that was maybe the extra time in college uh, at USC or, or whatever. But um, I think like the guys who are kind of retreads who have success are the guys who do something to kind of reinvent themselves or like reinvent their scheme. Um, and I think that's like, that's important. So whether it's someone who is like a retread, who's kind of re reinventing himself or whether it's someone who's young and just has a new perspective on something, I think that is where people should really be investing, uh, to try to find someone who's just doing something different. Because if you're doing something that's exactly the same as everyone else, like at best, you're just going to be like an upper tier version of them, but you're probably not likely to win something. If you're doing something that's really different, you might uh, have a total catastrophe on your hands, in which case you just move on quickly. Um, but you also might have the chance to do something that no one else is doing in a really productive way. It's interesting, too, because what you see lots of times in college uh, is occasionally there's certain coaches who they find ways to work their system around like the existing players that they find on a team. And I feel like you don't see that as much in the NFL, uh, but perhaps we should. Uh, so an interesting one to me is Adam Gase uh, will be interviewing with the Cardinals. Do you see any hope regardless of who it is for the next coach uh, of the Arizona Cardinals, given what we saw from Josh Rosen in his first season? Yeah, I mean, the situation with Rosen was tough in that um, he didn't really have an established receiver for a lot of the year because Fitz, like for half of the year, was just like he was literally hamstrung. Uh, and plus, he's just getting older anyway. Like, it's hard to run your offense through uh, a an old wide receiver in the slot. Uh, and then the offensive line was banged up. It's just hard to evaluate Rosen. Like, there were times when he looked good, um, and then there were times when he looked really bad. But it's hard. It's just hard to know, you know, like I wouldn't put too much stock in, in what we saw out of Rosen either way, you know, like in part because of what we've seen out of Jared Koff. Like if if there's a smart coordinator, um, I think that guy can do something with Rosen. It's just a question of like whether they can find that guy. And I don't think Gase is that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I think if you get the right coach in there, um, you know, you should at least be able to put together, you know, a decent offensive attack because I don't believe that Rosen was qu or is quite as bad as last season would lead you to believe. Um, but I'm not sure that Gase is that guy. Uh, as always, we have the Patriots coordinators. Once again, Josh McDaniels uh, being a coven, uh, being a coveted candidate for head coaching jobs. looks like he's going to interview with the Packers. Clearly, you have to imagine that landing in Green Bay is one of the best situations that a new head coach could fall into with Aaron Rodgers, a lot of talent there, um, an organization that has a track record of winning. Do you think McDaniels would be a good fit? And given what we've seen from him when he was a head coach, uh, do you think that this will be an upgrade for the team over Mike McCarthy? Yeah, I think it would be an upgrade. Um, but I would actually kind of be cautious about taking that job um, because I think there are um, there's like the expectation uh, that people think, OK, we have Aaron Rodgers, we have Devontae Adams, we have a good group of running backs, whether that's just like Aaron Jones or Jones and Williams. Yeah. Um, you know, like people will think, OK, all you need is a decent head coach and this should be a playoff team. But. Like, I don't know. I mean, quarterbacks are lasting longer, 
But, uh, you know, Rodgers is getting older. That defense isn't very good. Uh, And the Bears are a hard team to go against. The Vikings are, at worst, like a borderline playoff team. Uh, And it's possible that the Lions could be good next year. And even if they aren't very good, they could still actually be pretty decent against the Packers in isolated situations because they have a head coach who knows very well what McDaniels might be doing on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know. Like I could see it being a situation where McDaniels goes there. There are really high expectations. And then they have like a seven and nine season uh, and don't make the playoffs. And people are like, what happened? And like maybe part of it would be McDaniel's fault, uh, but part of it could just be like this Packers team actually isn't that good. For sure, and, and I am more on the side of there's only so much of a difference that NFL head coaches can make, with the rare exception. Uh, clearly, somebody like Bill Belichick, I think you have to rule, is certainly a tremendous coach. But I think with a lot of these other guys out there, you're probably going to get fairly similar results. And yeah, that that is a tough situation to go into given the expectations. Now, a team that McDaniels did coach for, the Broncos, they're going to interview apparently Chuck Pagano. I do not get this one at all. I can't see why any team would, would view this as a, as a good move to make. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have much against like Pagano as like a person and he seems like he's a good guy and in certain types of situations like he's I don't he seems kind of like another version of John Harbaugh yep. but like a, a version that uh never was super successful um I don't know I mean it, it doesn't it seems like a lateral move like it's it's probably better uh I think than um than Vance Joseph but I don't think it's like a great move yeah, it doesn't seem like one of those that's going to substantially um, raise your odds of, of turning things around and becoming a better than average team. Yeah, like he's a he's a defensive guy, but his defenses were never very good. Yeah, which for is sure. like yes. such a weird, which is such a weird thing. Yeah. Um, now, uh, one that is kind of interesting, uh, Dirk Cutter looks like he's the front runner for the Falcons OC job with uh, Sarkeesian probably going back to college now after the Falcons have made a lot of changes, still keeping the head coach around, though. Yeah, um, I don't really necessarily have a, a problem with that. Uh, I, I do kind of like the idea of having... Um, it's not even necessarily continuity, um, but it's like a return... Uh, for for Cutter to uh, to Atlanta, I believe he was there 2012 to 2014, uh, and those were you know like decent enough seasons uh, offensively. So I could see it being like decent. the The bigger thing is like, can that defense, uh, which is you know like the head coach's purview, uh, can the defense actually get back to normal? Um, you know, there were a lot of young guys who were supposed to be up and comers over the past couple of seasons uh, and they've just sort of stagnated Uh, and they've had some uh, injury issues. So, you know, that's unfortunate, but every team has injury issues. And so then it's just a question of like, well, how deep is your bench? How good are you at finding guys in the later rounds who can be good enough while your, your starters are getting healthy? Um, They just, they haven't proven that they can develop, um, you know, like guys on their defense. So I don't have a problem with, with Cutter so much, but it's just like, I think uh, the bigger questions are just going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. Uh, any other coaches that you've seen their names get thrown around that, um, 
Looks like uh, Jim Bob Cooter will be available as uh, he and the Lions have parted ways. Uh, Vance Joseph will be available. Cliff Kingsbury, I'm seeing that name pop up. Brian Flores, do any of these guys really excite you if you're a fan of a team that's looking for a head coach out there? Yeah, I mean, uh, Cliff, Captain Cliff, as I call him, uh, he excites me um, in that he had, uh, I mean, it's not as if he is the guy who made Patrick Mahomes, um, but he's, you know, he's the guy who mentored him in college. Uh, he's, you know, he's the guy who turned, I don't know if this is the right way of thinking about it, but he's the guy who turned Baker Mayfield, uh, as a freshman into, you know, like a walk-on starter. Um, I think he has a lot of potential, uh, and he's doing things that, uh, most, uh, NFL teams aren't open to doing, but we've seen, uh, have success when teams have been open to doing them well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's an outside of the box hire, and I think that's much better than interviewing someone like Vance Joseph, you know, who is interviewing for Cincinnati's head coach job. It's like, I just, I don't even understand. Yeah, for sure. That one, when I read that, really uh, confounded me. Uh, But moving on from the coaching carousel, uh, we still have some awesome NFL games up and coming. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot of exciting games this weekend, and we do want to tell you that our friends at the FFPC have the longest running and most unique playoff contest in the fantasy football universe, the FFPC Playoff Challenge. Uh, It's $200 to enter with a $200,000 grand prize and a $750,000 total prize pool paying down to 600th place. So how this works is it's it's a really cool format. There's no salary cap and there's no draft, uh, which I like because it makes it easy to just get in there, put together your team, especially this time of year, you know, it might be hard to carve out time for a draft, but you choose 10 players to make up your team's roster uh, across some positions that we'll talk about. Well, every position we'll talk about the distribution later, uh, but there's a catch. You can only use one player from each NFL team. That means that if you choose Tom Brady as your quarterback, for example, you may not have any other Patriots on your roster. So there's a lot of thinking that you have to do here. Um, The roster that you set before the playoffs start is your roster for the duration of the entire playoffs, including the Super Bowl. There will not be any changes, substitutions, or free agent pickups once rosters are locked. As NFL teams get knocked out, so will your players, so choose your team wisely. The contest is capped at 4,250 total entries and will sell out as it does every year. Registrations close on Saturday, January 5th at 4.30 p.m., Eastern time. So don't wait, go to M Y F F P C.com and get your team. Now that's M Y F F P C.com. My F F P C.com and get your team and get that $200,000 grand prize. Hey David, if I could throw something sure. in here, just, uh, yeah, want to give a, a special acknowledgement to, uh, F for being a, a sponsor, uh, a longtime sponsor of the show. Uh, great guys who run it, uh, very professional, very friendly with how they do things. Uh, I think they treat fantasy players really well. Uh, they are fantasy players themselves. Uh, so I think they have like a very, um, a very user friendly focus when it comes to their leagues. Um, so yeah, definitely support them if you are wanting to continue to have fantasy fun during the playoffs. For sure. And, and, um, you know, obviously we have a relationship with them, but I will say that I think that, uh, 
their league software, the aesthetics of it, and uh, the functionality and how easy to use, they really do have one of my favorite platforms for playing. Um, you know, so if you're looking to find a new place to venture out into, this is probably a good way to do it because I, I really do find uh, their system to be one of the best out there. And these are cool leagues. So I actually want to talk to you a little bit about how you might approach this league, players that you like. But first, let's break down these games. I want to get your picks, Matt. Uh, Saturday at 4.35, you have the Colts, who have looked good as of late, facing off against the Texans. How much do you favor the Texans by, if at all? I want the Colts. Uh, I think the Colts win this game. I yeah, think I they're the too. better team. Yeah, I think they're the better team. And the the line opened around two and a half and three. Uh, it was you know different at different sports books, um, but it's moved to around one and a half or one. Um, and I think it I don't know it will probably stay around there. But uh, most of the money is on the on the Colts right now. Um, so I I like them quite a bit. I think their their defense. Uh, has improved from obviously from where it was last year and even from where it was earlier in the year. Uh, Andrew Luck has obviously improved. Um, they're not missing any key pieces uh, in their offense, um, you know, with the exception of Jack Doyle. But you know, they still have a good tight end in Eric Ebron. Um, even Mo Ali Cox is like a sufficient tight end for their two tight end sets. Um, you know, Dontrell Inman is like it sounds so weird, but like he's emerging as like a competent number two. Uh, which is probably enough. And then T.Y. Hilton, like, it's just like annually, like he destroys the Texans. Um, so I don't know. I think it's it's a good situation. So I really like them. They're definitely one of those teams that's putting everything together, it feels like, at the right time. And I have been impressed as well with Andrew Luck as of late. And the connection that he and T.Y. Hilton have is has just been awesome. And then obviously you add in the threat of Eric Ebron in the red zone, which is a very key piece to have. I also have been impressed with Marlon Mack this season. So I expect the Colts to win that game. The other Saturday game at 8.15, you have the Seahawks facing off against the Cowboys in Dallas. I think that this is probably a harder game to project than uh, the AFC one. Yeah, I think so. Um, as a Cowboys fan, you know, it's kind of hard for me to be objective about this, but uh, I I think Seattle has a really good chance of winning. Um, they beat Dallas earlier in the year, and granted that game was in Seattle, and it was before Amari Cooper, um, but I don't know how much of a difference Amari Cooper really makes to this offense in a like points per game perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they are like three points better with Amari than they were without him. Um, but you know, Seattle and Dallas, they both invite really close games just in terms of like the way that they play. They're both like very run heavy teams. Uh, and then, you know, kind of try to, to stop you with their defense. Um, and I mean, it's like they're mirror versions of each other. Um, but like when you have a, when you have two teams playing like that, that are basically playing to try to win at the end of a one, uh, like you know, one possession game, a one score game, I would tend to trust the team that has, I would say, the better head coach, the better quarterback, um, a better record in must win games, uh, and has already won uh, against the opponent this season. Definitely, and I have a lot of trouble with this one, and. I kind of am having trouble buying into that the Cowboys are really that good. Um, 
and you have Russell Wilson going against Dak Prescott. It's hard for me to go against Wilson in that regard. Uh, 105 on Sunday, Chargers at Ravens. The Ravens, I have trouble getting behind. Of course, the Chargers just feel to me like one of those teams that uh, will not be able to put it together. Yeah, this is a, a really hard one for me to pick. Um, I don't know. It's 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 too hard to pick for me, really, to be honest. Like I don't. I can see both sides, um, but I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. I I think maybe I put a small bet on this, but I honestly don't remember. Um, I don't feel. I don't feel like confident about either side of this. Like if, if Baltimore wins, you can see the narrative of how they win. Uh, they're playing at home. They have a very uh, like staunch defense um, and they, they run the ball so much and they play at such a slow pace that they force the other team to have to play a different style. So it's, it, you know, it's like very Tebow esque and just in terms of kind of like how they got to where they are now. Um, and that can maybe get them a, a victory, but like, you don't see, I don't see this team being one that actually can go deep into the playoffs. Um, but in, at the same, to- same like token, you can see how the chargers win this game, like, because they are the better team, you know what I mean? Like right. they, they are, I would say like, they are clearly the better team. It's just like a matchup issue in terms of this game. And, and that's why Baltimore's favored by, you know, like two and a half at home. I think if I were forced to pick, I'd go with the Chargers, which now puts me at uh, three of the road teams. Um, but in each of these games in isolation, I, I would be taking the road team. Now, I'm not so sure that I would at the uh, 440 game on Sunday, which you have the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles opposing the uh, Chicago Bears, the team that has really put things together this season. There's a lot of positives for, and I think it'd be impossible not to like that defense that they have. Yeah. And just to, to put a bow on uh, the, the earlier game, yep. let me see here. Uh, I did bet the under that's, that's where I took a position on it. I bet the under and uh, I could see, I could see that hitting just, you know, a slow paced game. Um, yeah. I could see that talking about the, the final game yep. for the weekend. Um what game is that again? Sorry. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's bears. It's, it's Eagles. Eagles bears. bears yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take the Eagles. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable about it. Like I could see how the bears really win. Um, but uh, there's just something about th- this Eagles team, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. There's just, I could see them. Um, I could see them winning. Yeah, like I could see it happening. Um, so obviously we have to bring up, what are your thoughts um, on Nick Foles, who I, I believe it looks like is going to be able to go with the bruised ribs, no no break, I believe I read. Yeah, I mean, he's, I don't know, he's playing well enough. Um, the Bears defense is really good um, and they're playing at home, cold weather. I just don't really trust their offense. Um and I do like have a lot of respect for Matt Nagy, but uh, I don't know. I could just, I could see the offense really flopping um, and I could see the Eagles offense. Um, I don't know, like pulling out all of the tricks, you know, like everything yep. that they have. Um, and if, you know, if there's a lot of misdirection, if they're able to like get lucky in filled position battles, um, I could see it working out and their defense has gotten much better recently, even though their secondary is still pretty injured. The guys that they've thrown back there are now starting to play better. 
Um, and again, like, I just, I don't know about Mitch Trubisky. Like, I don't want to, I know it seems weird to be like, I want to back Nick Foles in the playoffs, but I definitely don't want to back Mitch Trubisky either, you know? So I, I think I'd go with Foles. Okay. All right. I, I mean, that's fair. Um, you know, clearly he has performed well in high pressure situations. So certainly we could see that again, but. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. But with those games in mind and some of your thoughts there, let's talk about uh, if you were going to be in one of these playoff leagues. As I've never actually done a playoff league like this before, have you? No, I haven't. So I'm I'm going to be playing in a couple um, this year. Now, obviously, there's a lot of different ways that you could go with strategy. So in the FFPC leagues, um, your starting roster has one quarterback, two running back two wide receivers, one tight end, two flex, one kicker, and one D. Your flex can be running back, wide receiver, tight end. Um, and FFPC scoring is tight end premium. So given a structure like this, uh, there's going to be a lot of different ways that you need to think about um, how you want to get your points, where you're going to take risks. I think for me, um, I guess I feel the best about going with one of the NFC quarterbacks in Goff or Breeze uh, as I really struggle to project which um, AFC East or not AFC East AFC team makes it makes their way through to the um, I guess uh, conference finals. Um, do you agree with that or or do you actually feel better about maybe like a Mahomes uh, than one of those options? I don't know. Like I, I would want to try to get as many players as possible who are, who are playing this weekend. You know what I mean? Um, right. Cause you're like, guaranteed that that game at the very least. And then you, and you yeah. know, the teams that you project going longer. Yeah. And I also think that people might overvalue, um, the players on the teams who are resting, uh, this weekend but like overvalue them both in terms of like the production that they could have on the field and then also overvalue their chances of progressing further into the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, but I, I guess to get to the, the kind of the question that I have, are you with me that you feel better about the Rams and saints making their way to vying to go to the super bowl versus any of the teams in the AFC? I feel like the AFC is harder to project. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Um, the The only thing is, I don't feel all that confident about um, about Breeze at this point 
because the Saints are such a run-heavy team. Yeah. Uh, and I also don't feel all that confident in Goff either. So, like, I, again, I think I would probably rather have, like, Foles or Russell Wilson. Yeah, these leagues, it's so interesting, huh? Because I think also, right, you probably want to consider going Todd Gurley at running back, but you don't have him in the first game. Um, I, I don't really think at this point, you know, there's there's questions about whether or not he's going to go. Um, but you're, you, you know, you, you're going to miss that first week. Uh, Jordan Howard, do you like at all? I mean, I think if you're going running back from the Bears, you're probably going Cohen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I'd probably look for like Marlon Mack mm-hmm. or Chris Carson. Um, because I do think both of those teams have kind of underrated shots of making the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think both of those guys will be relatively cheap, uh, in comparison to some of the other runners. Uh, and they also have, you know, I think like, I think that they're going to be cheaper, but then I also think like they have a decent chance of having production that is comparable kind of whether or not they actually do make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. I I actually think that Mac is one of those guys I would probably be be looking at. Now, the wide receiver front gets very interesting um, because some of those guys that, uh, you know, you might be thinking about going for like a Michael Thomas isn't going to be available. I think that DeAndre Hopkins would look like a great option, except for you don't have him or or I feel I don't feel great about um, the Texans advancing. So it's almost like T.Y. Hilton, I think, would be one of my uh, highest options, but I almost feel more like I would need to go with Marlon Mack Um, of the receivers playing in the first week. Uh, any that really stand out to you? I don't really see anybody on the Ravens that you'd want to go after. So it's probably looking no, like the front runners yeah. are Hopkins and, and Hilton. Yeah. And so uh, I think actually maybe the way to to build your roster is to think about like the players on the teams that you definitely don't want. And then you kind of have to target some of the remaining players on those teams. You know what I mean? So if, um, if we definitely don't want to touch any of the tight ends, or any of the um, the wide receivers on the Ravens, yep. then like, where does that leave you? Like, that means you have to go either running back or quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? So I feel like Zach Ertz is probably the obvious tight end option because I don't really see myself going. Well, you said you might go with Foles, but I feel like he's probably going to be the most popular option at tight end because uh, the Chiefs, I can definitely see people going with Mahomes, with Hill. Uh, yeah. Or even a running back. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would so to to bring it back to wide receiver for the guys this weekend. Um, Tyler Lockett is interesting to me. Um, I don't really have much of an interest in Keenan Allen, but I would maybe go with Mike Williams because I think he will be cheaper, but he also has like a lot of upside. Um. Yep. On the, I mean, Amari is someone who might be kind of interesting, but I just don't know about the Cowboys progressing further. But like, I think Amari has like the potential of a lot of the other players, um, but he he's not going to be drafted higher than Hopkins, probably not going to be drafted higher than Hilton. uh, And then you have other guys who aren't playing this weekend who will still be drafted higher um, so Amari is interesting. The other, and I think a lot, oh, I think a lot of people will want Zeke 
too. Yeah. So I think that can make Amari maybe a, a little bit cheaper. And, and just to clarify, when we're talking about cheaper, we're talking about, you know, if you're trying to diversify your lineup against what other people would have, I, I think that you're getting right. it, that fewer people are going to have those players. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. The other interesting thing that I'm thinking of here is with the defenses, that kind of is in a way like guaranteed points to some well actually i don't even know if that's fair to say man this format is really tough um so let me let me reframe that outside of the ravens and the bears any other defenses that you feel good about yeah um potentially seahawks potentially colts okay uh for and maybe even maybe even chargers maybe even chargers yeah yeah the more i think about that chargers ravens game the better i'm feeling about the chargers so it's it's like maybe though um i don't even know who i would i don't really know who i would use on the ravens so maybe i just default to the defense yeah i mean you might use justin tucker Mm -hmm. but i could also see people really wanting him as their kicker right yeah so definitely a lot of interesting wrinkles and uh, as matt said you know maybe there's there's certainly better advice than we have out there. Uh, nonetheless, I wanted to run through those um, as like I do think that this is a really interesting intellectual exercise, and it's also uh, fun to just kind of try to project how these players will fare. Uh, moving along from that, though, Matt, give me the biggest surprise at each position when I f- read off the top five players in points per game from the 2018 regular fantasy season at quarterback obviously we have Patrick Mahomes who just steamrolled the league 26.1 points per game followed by Matt Ryan at number two Ben Roethlisberger at number three Deshaun Watson at number four which I have to be honest that actually snuck up on me uh, and then Andrew Luck at five I think the one that really surprises me is Matt Ryan. Um, I think we had talked earlier in the year before the season started about quarterbacks and Roethlisberger. Uh, and I think I was a little bit higher on him than than you were. I might be wrong yeah. on that. So like he doesn't really surprise me in the top five, but Matt Ryan really does. And I should say Watson doesn't really surprise me, uh, even if you kind of factored in regression from last season. Um, I still thought he could, especially because of his running ability, right. uh, could be in the top five. And then luck is kind of surprising. Um, but I also just sort of assumed that his shoulder might be healthier than people thought. And like when he's been healthy, he's been a top five quarterback. So, uh, and, and then Mahomes, it doesn't surprise me that he's top five, but it surprises me that obviously he's been as like transcendent as he actually has been. But Ryan is really surprising um, because his... His MVP 2017 season was such an outlier relative to what he had done before that. Um, Sorry, his 2016 MVP season. And then his 17 season where he regressed, um, he, he regressed below where he had been. So you had to assume he would bounce back, but I thought he would bounce back somewhere in between the two. Right. But he it's not as if he bounced back all the way to his MVP form, but he was much closer to that than he was to his 2017 form. And that was that was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think for me, it was Ryan as well. Mahomes, I think it, you still have to be somewhat surprised with how strong he was. But I actually had him projected super high when doing the Rotoviz projections because you saw what Alex Smith did the season before. Right. It was an offense with a lot of players. You had Tyreek Hill who matched his skill set. Uh, so, you know, it's not that surprising that you see him 
doing something similar. Uh, and then, you know, it was kind of the idea of you just don't normally see Matt Ryan throughout his career putting together the type of seasons that are going to get him to finishing two. Uh, four running backs, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Melvin Gordon in that order in points per game. Gurley's probably not a surprise. Um, why don't you share who, who your uh, biggest surprise was there and then I'll give you mine. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I don't think anyone is really a surprise in that group. Like you could like before the season, uh, you could see a path for all of those guys right. being top five. And it, it kind of it worked out with all of them. Um, Kamara is maybe the biggest surprise just because his workload was really curtailed uh, when Mark Ingram returned. Um, but he was just so fantastically productive in the first month of the season that that was enough to carry him. Um, but he obviously wasn't a, I mean, he wasn't a bad player when Ingram returned, but he wasn't a top five running back for the last three fourths of the season. Definitely. Uh, I think, uh, for me, McCaffrey's probably the most surprising, um, just because I probably had the most concerns about his offense, allowing him to perform so well. Uh, but that definitely came to fruition. And the, the, rushing total that he put up 219 rushing attempts of course was very strong in 124 targets that opportunity is insane and even expecting a good season from him that just really blows my mind when you look at that so 1098 yards on the ground seven touchdowns uh, 867 receiving yards and six touchdowns just a tremendous uh, tremendous season for McCaffrey and here's one thing so 124 targets for McCaffrey which is amazing and helped him get to the point of setting the NFL record of 107 receptions for a running back. Um, but right behind him was Saquon Barkley with 121 targets, which is the most that any rookie running back has ever gotten. You and, know, and like, yeah, I, th- I think Barkley is going to become just like a more important part of that passing game, if that's even possible. But, you know, like 121 targets for a rookie running back is just unreal. Yeah, 261 rushing attempts as well. And the thing is, Barkley looks like the type of player that can actually cushion this workload and be super productive with it. So I think it's impossible not to be just so excited about uh, Saquon. Uh, Moving on to wide receiver, Devontae Adams actually finishes at number one, followed by your boy Antonio Brown, then DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill at four, and Julio Jones at five. Who of those players was the most surprising to you? I mean, I think Adams, I think it clearly has to be Adams. Um, you know, Brown has been a, a top five wide receiver in fantasy points, you know, for like the previous four or five years. So it's it's not surprising he finishes in the top five. Again, not surprising with Hopkins. Uh, I have a pretty high opinion of Tyree Kill as a football player. And even though he's inconsistent, uh, like you saw what he could do last year. There wasn't any reason to believe that he wouldn't be able to do it again this year. And then Julio Jones, I think, is the best receiver in the league. So like it's clearly Adams. And with him, it was never a question of his ability to uh, score touchdowns. It was always a question of like his ability to turn targets into yards. Um, he hadn't shown a great ability to do that previously. Uh, now, granted, part of that was because he was playing um, with someone who wasn't Aaron Rodgers. So that definitely impacted his yardage capabilities. But um, yeah, I was impressed by his ability to put up the yardage total that he did. Um, so for me, like that's that's the surprise uh, that he finishes a top five receiver and that it was because of his yards. 
That's a good point. Uh, but I still think for me, the, the most surprising name in that list is Tyreek Hill. Because yeah. if I go back <laughs> yeah. to what I was thinking about in the beginning of the season, you had the change in quarterback. They're bringing in Sammy Watkins, who, though I might not be on high as uh, on Watkins as others, is still a talented player. You had Travis Kelsey there. You had Kareem Hunt in the backfield. It felt like that could take away from some of the opportunity for Hill to have expo- explosive plays. So I was seeing him as a type of player that could finish somewhere between 10 to 12, but I think cracking the top five did surprise me uh and i have come now to realize that he is a much better football player than i thought and i did think that he was a good football player going into the season so for me it's hill but that's a great point that you made on adams accruing uh the yardage that he did and the 13 touchdowns so before we move on from wide receiver i will throw this back to you um we've now seen adams just produce tremendous levels of touchdowns uh since he inserted himself as the, as the main target for Rodgers, do you see any reason that that doesn't continue moving into next season? Um, no, I mean, I think he will continue to be the number one receiver and uh, whoever that is for Aaron Rodgers is always a guy you want. Um, and I don't know if people are going to still be um, as high on Adams as his uh, fantasy finish this year. Like, I don't think he's the number one receiver people are picking next year. I think people will choose Hopkins over him. Um, maybe they. some people will choose Julio Jones over him, maybe. Um, I don't know. So I think he will probably be like the, the third wide receiver off the board. And I think like that's probably fair. Like He probably deserves to be in that range. Because I think he has the potential to finish again as the number one, um, but also probably to finish as like the number seven receiver. Sure. Uh, but I, I, I really like his floor heading into next season. Tight end is probably the most interesting. Uh, you have Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Eric Ebron, and Jared Cook. No surprise on Kelsey <laughs> I mean, and Ertz, but those yeah. last three it definitely is a hard decision. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that Kittle has been... I mean, tight end, tight end is just such like a wasteland that um, it's almost not surprising that anyone finishes in the top five because like after the top two or three, it's almost like scoring could be like very flat. You could think of like from tight end three to tight end like 10. You know what I mean? So it's not any one of these guys is not necessarily a huge surprise. Um, It's amazing that Kittle has been as productive as he as he would be. But like, I think most people would have said entering the season, like he had tight end, you know, like top five potential. Um, But I don't think most people were thinking that about Jared Cook or Eric Ebron. Um, (laughs) I liked like I I kind of secretly liked Eric Ebron, not because of his uh, skill, but because of the fact that luck has been someone who has relied heavily on tight ends Mm -hmm. uh, and um, that they didn't have a lot of depth at their wide receiver position. So I wouldn't have expected like uh, a top five finish for Ebron or for him to be like the touchdown producer he's been. But like, I would have been like, yeah, I could see how that guy finishes as like the tight end eight, you know? Um, So it's not as big of a surprise for him, but like Jared cook, I wasn't expecting this. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I was expecting. I probably didn't, I didn't have much faith in general in Oakland's offense. So I was just kind of like ignoring basically everyone on their team. Yes. For me, um, I think it's 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 kind of funny because if you had told me heading into the season that Garoppolo would go out, there'd be, you know, moving guys at quarterback for San Francisco. Yeah, that's true. That McKinnon um, would be out for the season. It was just setting up like 
you know, there's no way that things could work out for him. But I am still more surprised by Jared Cook because I was expecting that team to just be a complete dumpster fire. Um, you know, they had they had their spots towards the end, you know, the game against Pittsburgh and whatnot. But that was a team that struggled. But they had Amari Cooper. They had Jordy Nelson. Um you know, even Marshawn Lynch to some degree. So it's just like you wouldn't have expected that Cook would be the guy that, especially in the beginning of the season, was leading the charge, was seeing at 1.10 targets a game. It, so for me, he's probably the most surprising of any player that finished um, in the top five across all positions. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, so now this is one that's really interesting. We talked about this as the season moved along, but now that everything has been concluded, uh, who is the fantasy MVP? I don't think you can point to a guy like Adam Thielen anymore. He might have been at the start. I think James Conner missing the playoffs kind of removes him. Are you in agreement with me? Uh, do you agree with me on that? And, and who do you think was the fantasy MVP? Hmm. Uh, I think it, I don't know. It's a good question. I think it still has to be Connor. Um, just because of where you were able to get him. Yep. Um, but uh, I don't know, like, I don't want to say quarterback, but like if you had Mahomes on your team, you probably didn't have to spend a lot to get him, which like I think that's just smart strategy to begin with, not to pay up at quarterback, but you probably didn't have to pay a lot to get him. And he had like some truly difference making performances throughout the season. And yep. he's scored more fantasy points than any other quarterback in history. So it's, you know, like. I don't know. Like it might be chalk to say Mahomes, but like I don't know. He's I I, w- I would be curious who we give it to if we don't give it to him. And I'm saying this like shooting from the hip of not really thinking about ADP for a lot of the other players. Sure. I will say this. I think that Mahomes is probably second or third. It's a toss up between Connor and Mahomes, but This is a guy that I doubt many people are expecting me to say. I actually think that Christian McCaffrey is the fantasy MVP for the 2018 season. I think one of the major reasons is, yes, he had a high ADP, but there was many cases where you saw him going as the ninth, maybe even sometimes 10th running back off the board. Um, And in many cases, he, you know, like you had drafts where, he just naturally kind of fell into a spot where like, you know, he was just the player that made sense, but you look at how he went through the season and then you, you know, there were some great performances early on the second week, 28 points in week nine, 32 points, week 10, 37 points. But then you get to week 12 heading down that stretch, uh, 47 points in week 12, 31 in week 13, 28 in week 14, week 15, 26. And he closes things off with 30 points in the championship game. The only player that uh, I think had a similar uh, finish and start, well, Alvin Kamara I considered because, you know, he started off so hot, really put your team ahead, and then he had a good good playoff stretch. But McCaffrey, you had to pay less than these other top-level running backs, and he was just so consistent down the stretch that having him made a huge difference. So I'm actually going to give him the MVP. Yeah, I think that's her. I think one of the questions is, um, are we thinking of this in terms of like a a regular seasonal league or kind of best ball where it, uh, it doesn't really matter when you get your points, just that you get them? I'm thinking I was framing this in my mind as a regular, uh, you know, normal configuration, I mean, non-best ball. Yeah. But you're right. For best ball, it's probably hard to say that it's not. Well, then it really comes down to Mahomes probably and Connor. Yeah, I mean, because I think 
there's so much randomness that is built into when a guy scores points. So like, I'm not really going to knock that Connor was out during the playoffs. Like um, I think you can knock him uh, in in this exercise for being out a few games. Um, But I, I think like when he was out, shouldn't really factor into it because there's just so much randomness that goes into that for sure and and, you know like it's one of those if i sit back um i can probably make more compelling arguments for why it's connor and i have to imagine too the if you could look at the number of teams or like if you could look across you know every league and see the number of teams that had connor that finished you know in the top three or four you know even top four in their league, it's probably so high and probably the same thing for Mahomes. So that that's definitely an interesting distinction. So at this point in the podcast, something happened with our connection and Matt and I are not able to get back uh, in communication. So we'll probably close things down here. Um, conventional MVP picks are probably Mahomes and Connor. Uh, If you want to go outside of the box for me, it was Christian McCaffrey. Uh, But that's going to do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveCabinFF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at MattFTheOracle. We will be here throughout the playoffs pretty much every week. just like we've been uh, heading into 2019 and in the 2019 regular season. Uh, This has been Rotoviz Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.